Let's see here. What episode are we on? Episode 14. 14. It's a big day. It is a big day because it's Friday. It's a beautiful... Uh, Bears won yesterday. No, they didn't. The Bears lost. I know, but they scored a touchdown. They won in our hearts. I know. That's They won just by getting out there. They won. They won by being. I don't even know. I just have a bear shirt on right now. I'm very excited that it's bear season. I'm glad you're wearing a bear season. shirt today. Duh, bears. Uh, well, cool, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Um, you didn't even wait for me to answer. You didn't care. I'm I'm in a little bit of a funk right now. What's going on? Well, I realize I have a gig next weekend. Right. Yes, I'm aware of and that. I'm, the I'm old going home. I'm aware it's, of this gig. It's important too, because like my mom threw it together, and she's having me and some buddies do a bunch of '60s, '70s cover songs and stuff like that. It's at a pool party for senior citizens. I would yeah, call them. Yeah. Um, gonna be Instagram live on that shit. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah I'll gear hunks it live. <laughs> but it's uh you know it's it's that's all good you know so we're all good with gear. Um, but it's really important because I'm not gonna. It's not like a show where you show up and you have um other bands you know with gear also so like let's say like you know your bass amp you get there and the bass amp's not working for some reason or something's weird Mm -hmm. so i'm bringing two of everything literally so i'm bringing both my bass heads i mean which is they're mark bass heads they're Mm -hmm. they're small one's even in a backpack um but i'm gonna bring them both because like the last thing i want to do is be stranded there in the middle of oswego and there's no you know there's nowhere to go just Dude, like rent a head or something. Tol- I mean, we, we've definitely, uh, we've, we've dug into the importance of having backups and I stuff. Mean, so I'm all about it. And even if you play a gig, you know, at least like the sound guy would have like a DI generally mm-hmm. or something, if something really bad happens, right? right. Well, we don't have that kind of, you know, stuff going on. So I'm going to bring both Mark bass heads. And then I'm like, well, I have to bring two bases. Cause if I just bring one, something might go wrong. And by the way, I did a graduation party for this, like a similar group of people for my niece's uh, high school graduation in 2012 guess what happened that p bass that you have i played the p pickups went out like the split pickups what? went out yeah and i had to use the whole sh- i played the whole show what the happened wire just came disconnected no oh, for man. no reason it was hot out that day maybe yeah. the solder got hot in the sun or something but literally fired it up and like no no p bass pickup that would have to be like on the face of mercury for the sun to get that hot but i mean i know i i totally agree i'm like i don't know how this happened but it happened and you know, you know, Damn. so, so you're thinking you need a, ba- you need a backup base. Well, you know, I have, I, this is where it gets a little silly. I have obviously two old fenders. I'm definitely bringing the jazz base. I guess I'll bring the P base if I have to. I, I just, I like the idea of having something low budget that I could bring. Absolutely. So I've been on the hunt, uh, actually obsessively last night, um, looking for something for like 250 or under shipped, mm-hmm. you know, just a good kicker P base or a jazz bass or whatever, but not like a squire, not like something that's really, really crappy, but something kind of cool too. Yeah, Cause it's sure. like, it's another bass in the arsenal. You don't need, you know, I don't need something that I kind of already have. So you're not, you're not thinking a direct kind of like replacement backup mm-hmm. where it would have a P and a J pickup or something like yeah, that. No, I mean, that would be fine if something came yeah. along that was, you know, inexpensive. Um, but although like, you know, most fender stuff, like even the Mexican stuff, um, it's still like over $300 for something like that. And I, I put out like a limit of like 250 mm-hmm. on myself. If I could find it cheaper, that'd be great. Dude, what about a, what about a, like a, one of those Squire Base Sixes? Oh, well, I, yeah. I mean, that would be kind of cool. Those are hard to play though. I mean, f- for me, f- I don't know, man. You could handle that shit. I had and a base. Then, and then, I had a base. But here's the thing 
I know, right. You don't have one now. That's right. another that's another weapon in the arsenal. And it's not like you're gonna be playing that as your main instrument. That's just in case some shit goes down. Hundred percent. So I'm just saying get a get a or or just get a six string like not a bass six, like a like six, a six string, string bass. bass. <laughs> <laughs> Go Thunderbird style. Dude, you've you've or been Thunderbird hanging around Thundercat. You've been hanging say. around your dad bass too too much, oh, man. Oh my god. Dead. That's what that that's Jazzy what Dead Top. Jazzy Dead Top. <laughs> Has uh, has obviously not left your brain. JDT. Uh, oh I, man, I love when people. Co- Sorry to interrupt. No, you. no. I love when people come over now that know anything about instruments, and I'm just like, I don't even say anything about it. I just hand it to them. Yeah. I handed it. I handed it to Dan when he came yeah. over on Wednesday night, and he goes, "Whoa, dude, you gotta warn me about stuff yeah. like this." Did like, his wrist I, I, almost, I almost break? I almost dislocated his shoulder. You, yeah, that I almost did that shaking his hand one time. So, and yeah. we'll get back to Dan. Dan being here on Wednesday because um, that's something I want to talk about. But I want to talk more about you getting another just, instrument. Yeah, here. And so I, what are you looking at? What, what have you been? Uh, well, what have you been checking out? So I just what I do is I'll go on Reverb and just sort by price and like put your max at like you know two fifty or sort what three hundred. Just search base. Oh, base. Yeah, and uh, just see what comes up. At first, I started, damn, like, that's a wide search. Man. Well, if you search base used and the between the price range, there's a lot, but it's not like that. It's okay. like a few hundred things. Yeah. It's not like thousands and thousands of guitars. Would you be open to something that requires a repair? Well, that's so that's where I'm going with this. Mm. I, I actually ended up this was on eBay today, and I think I might have sent you the link. Um I found first of all, I flagged two of these last night, like to save in my to save in my watch list. Mm-hmm. Um this old company named Memphis, and they were one of the original, um, I think they were by Yamaha um, originally. They were like a sub company of Yamaha. Japanese. Mm-hmm. So they're 100% Japanese and they were like the first of the lawsuit stuff. So they were like basically everything on this base. So what it is, it's like a reissue of like a 75 P base basically. So it like looks my just like yours, but it's wood grain. The only difference is the tuners are a little bit different, but they're not those puny little tuners. Yeah, not the, the no, cheap ones you have to immediately yeah, replace. Yeah, they're still like full size, like the, the Schaller. The tulip ones. Yeah, they're still really like, yeah, those, they're. They're heavy duty. Um, bridge looks identical. Body looks identical. Neck looks identical. The only thing is the neck doesn't have the skunk stripe on the back. So mm-hmm. it's it's a maple cap, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. And this guy had this thing listed for like sixty dollars. What's wrong with it? He does. He's not a. He's not a. a a guitar seller guy like so here's the trick man have you ever come across sellers who take like crappy photos of stuff always look at their other and their if their description's really vague look at everything else they're selling this guy's selling like an ipod he's selling like a weird like mask so he just probably randomly had this in the garage he or said he, he, had, he bought it for a friend at like a pawn shop the friend never like adopted it and it's just been sitting in his like closet basically so is it is it playing right now he doesn't know he said he he said he's never heard it plugged into an amp, so he doesn't know if it works or if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I looked at it; it looks pretty clean. It's got some wear and stuff like that. Um, but the funny thing is, you know, you can always tell when it's not a musician who owns it. The E string was strung backwards mm. on the post, so that's kind of a dead giveaway yeah. that, like, you know, hopefully the nuts not messed up from that. Yeah, I know. But I, these are all things, honestly. Even if it is the electronics, yeah. we could easily swap. That well, that's shit what out I was thinking. Next weekend. Well, that that was the other thing. So I'm like, so the worst part about this whole process is. The guy wants local pickup. Well, he's in Virginia, so that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Uh, for those listening, we're in Chicago, so we're not driving out to Virginia to go pick up a guitar for $60. No. But that being said, I did message him, and I'm like, let me know if you'll ship this thing. I'll pay for whatever you want. And to be honest, I mean, I'll I'll throw him almost like 100 bucks for shipping. Because if I still got that thing for 160 like the other ones that I'm watching are like, you know, between like 250 to like 30 350 ships why are they how come they're so slept on why are they still so cheap they've made a lot of different variants of it mm. so the one that i'm looking at i it it literally looks identical to a 75 fender then they start changing them just a little by little by mm-hmm. little 
um, probably when the lawsuit started kicking of course. in, I'm assuming. I mean, they have ones that go all the way up to the 90s where like the headstock has like that weird like flipper shape. It's not even like the fender shape See, anymore. Okay, so now that you're saying that, I feel like I have seen that Memphis guitar before, which is why well, you had the I never would have even... Well, I did, yeah. So that's sure. very, very similar. Right. Like, you know, built almost to spec. Oh, that thing was... That was yeah. a fender not made by fender. So that's exactly what this is. Like, there's no... Um, you know, the truss rod's not up at the... You know, at the headstock, the truss rod's down at the uh, at the heel mm-hmm. and all that, which I'm curious about the truss rod on something like that, yeah. too. Well, that's that's always the big gamble. So there's a few things I figured. But at the end of the day, it's scrap. It's worth more than, you know, 70 bucks. Yeah, if not, so, we'll, we'll make a project out of it. That's what I figured. I, I say go for it. Has yeah. you responded? to no. The, no. And that's that's the worst part about this whole thing is you email these people and you're like, now I just have to wait for him to respond. Well, and let's be honest. I mean, we both buy and sell and ship a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. Packing and shipping a guitar is kind of a pain in the ass. Absolutely. And especially if you're not oh doing my God. it all the time. Even to get a box. Right, exactly. And I mean, so here's the deal. If you take a guitar, and this is like a tip for anybody trying to sell a guitar, if you're gonna take your guitar to like FedEx and have them box it, like buy the box there, pack it all there, you're gonna spend like a hundred dollars in shipping. It's gonna be expensive. It's gonna be real expensive. So you know, I don't know. I'm hoping this guy just responds and I could be cool. I don't even care if he unbolts the neck from the body if he's that inclined. It's yeah. four, four screws. In fact, why not? Because I'm sure the strings are trash anyway on that. Oh, thing. I'm going to. Yeah, I've It'd got strings a, at home. Dude, you should suggest that, in fact, because then it'll be way easier I know. to ship it. The question is, how long do I wait before I send him the the you know, the unanswered response. Oh yeah. Like where I'm like, uh, so, Hey man, if Doubling you have down, well, you can say, Hey, look, I've got a gig next weekend and I was thinking this might be an awesome backup. Yeah. Yeah. Like, sorry exactly. to be, sorry to be a wiener and double tap. Yeah. Well, here. I told him and I was like, dude, I'll buy this today. If you can figure out a shipping price and just mm-hmm. let me know, like, but I understand shipping a guitar is, it's a lot of anxiety for somebody who's not, who first has never shipped one maybe. And secondly, who's not a musician who doesn't know like an old P bass like that, dude, that thing can get slammed around. That's not going to break. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the chance. No, it's not a Gibson or something. If the chances are, that you know, it could. Break Dude, you could row it. your friggin' kayak with that thing yeah. and still r- row it to the gig and still play it. Yeah, you could straight up drop it on the concrete mm-hmm. and probably, well, probably crack a little bit. A little but, bit, but that'll look cool. It would look really cool. It's it's vintage. So so that's all I got for so that. So you got that. I'm I'm excited about this. I feel like you've been kind of you've been so locked in with your, like how yeah. happy you are with your gear and rig and everything. But you, I also know that you've just been kind of like wanting to get a new thing just because. There's a so fire. This is a fun right? little yeah exactly. So it's a fun little fun little itch that you're trying to. It scratch. is you know, and it's one of those things where I like to put the little limits on myself. Like I don't have a ton of money right now to just go buy something mm-hmm. whatever I want basically. So I'm like, oh, well, we'll keep it under 250. We can work something. Yeah. Out, you know, um, so that does keep it kind of fun. But you know me, I'm, I'm going to go old. I'm probably going to go vintage. So we'll we'll uh, keep you guys posted next week and let you know if, if that worked yeah, out. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll have to post a pic on the yeah, old Instagram. Hopefully. hopefully um, we get it. Uh, I did bring my pedal board back um, from the space. Yeah, so I've been, been spending a lot of time with that. Uh, really, actually, honestly, have just mostly been re-falling in love with the harmonic percolator pedal. That thing is just wonderful. And to the point that when Dan was here, we just spent some time with it and he is now on a total obsessive streak trying to find them. The problem is you can't find the old ones. They're very rare. Is yours an old one? So yes, but it's, it's like the second round of old ones from, I think the nineties who makes them. Um, it was this, this one dude in Milwaukee, it was called Interfax, but it was just one guy making them. And then he died after only making less than a thousand probably in that box. And then, uh, in the nineties, someone figured it out or they, I don't remember the story, but they, they made some and then they, those are gone. That's what that is. And then now the different people have cloned it. And, uh, I know that, uh, land graph devices makes kind of probably the most popular one right now. I think it's called the HP two. Um, 
But it's the interesting thing about the harmonic percolator is that most distortion or overdrive or whatever you want to call it gain that we think about is generating odd order harmonics mm -hmm. one three five seven nine and that's this that sound the harmonic percolator that that circuit generates even order harmonics which is a totally different Whoa. kind of thing in um in some ways kind of nastier but also some ways kind of smoother uh, i first heard about that pedal because of steve albini who is you know a personal hero of mine uh, and has been for a long time for those who don't know very famous producer did nirvana and the pixies and tons of bands that you love and probably listen to all the time but also was in uh big black shellac number of other bands um but he used that pedal that's i think that's only the only pedal he uses actually uh like for oh. anything or distortion or whatever it's the like, like it's just because his aunt like it, he plays travis bean metal neck guitars into this oh like, wow it's basically they're it's cool when you see him live because the they're both him and Bob Weston, the bass player, their amps are just one like a head with one big knob on it, <laughs> uh, which I'm told are actually just kind of like modded bassmen or okay. maybe, you know, JTM 45, same difference. But they're like no tone, no, no, just EQ. literally just one big knob on it, That's which I think hilarious. is super badass. It's almost like a, those slave amps that uh, Mad Amp used to make. And exactly. Orange. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm sure. Like those are those ones that you're talking about are designed to just like make other things louder. These are actual amps where like the, the tone has been altered. It's already built in. He just like has that built in yep. and decided upon, and it's pretty nasty when you go full war and I then you it. and then to go truly over the top step on the harmonic. Oh my later. god, um, that's kind of cool. I never thought about his live rig and if he has like you know a unique kind of setup like that. And that's that's I respect him more. I have I think, to say, though. Shellac is my favorite live band. Of wow, all time. I've seen good. them at least five or six times, oh, and shit. each time is. I was gonna say each time is better than the last. That's not totally true. They're they're all just awesome. Uh, so this is kind of sort of related. I was actually uh, looking back through the Ministry of Corrections, or formerly known as the Corrections Department, <laughs> and uh, I realized there's one that we hadn't actually ever corrected. So in one of the old episodes, we were talking about. I don't remember why we were talking about it. Maybe it was playing outdoors or something like that. But how? Oh, I think it was the festival and was, tips, and it was a fe it was a festival thing. And I was talking about playing ultraviolet petting zoo. And how they're and and I wanted to tell a story about it, and we wanted to come back to it, and we never did. So, anyways, I feel like it's probably time okay now for us to to share that story because it, it actually just triggered my mind because of what we were talking about. So, uh, this I don't know when this was. We'll say ten years ago, and I was very stoned when I went to this thing. So perfect, you know, great. I love stories. That normal, like that. normal sort of uh, situation for me, but regardless, it's important. So this this festival was this like kind of small ish festival it was a half carnival half music festival in chicago like in the city um you know so there's like families there's rides there's carnival games what neighborhood was it in i want to i want to say it was like old irving park or something okay. like that somewhere slightly northwest mm -hmm. i don't know exactly avondale maybe okay uh big big thing a lot of people there and and I played it and it was actually Tom Schrader, my you know old bandmate yeah, and friend who I was actually talking to earlier today. Hello, oh, Tom. Cool. Um, he uh, he put it on like he was responsible for this festival. They they were partnered with the Boys and Girls Club and it was a good deal. But anyway, so part of the thing was they it was called the Ultraviolet Petting Zoo. There was an act, there was a petting zoo there. So it's like go see some live music, some goats and go sheeps. ride a gravitron and then pet a fucking farm animal a turtle. So here I am. I'm a city boy. I'm in this thing. I again. Super high. We just get there. We, I, I don't, I think this was maybe the day before. I think it was the day before we played. We weren't okay. playing that wasn't day. the same day. I just went there. Don't get high before shows, kids. Or if you can handle it, do. Or get it'll high be more interesting for us. But 
so I am, and and I'm just standing there by myself, and I'm, I'm city boy, and I'm like, whoa, there's like we're in Chicago, and there's like goats and shit around. So I'm literally just standing in this thing, having this really bizarre experience, petting a goat in this petting zoo in like a park in Chicago. This kind of this is zoned out, totally, totally just like locked into petting this goat, and. I don't know how long passes, but I, I sort of almost feel like there's like some eyes on me and I, and I, and I, and I, and I look up and standing directly in front of me, looking directly into my eyes is Steve Albini also petting a goat. Wow. What? <laughs> That's even more. I thought it was going to be like more regular. This got even weirder. Man. So, so again, I just mentioned this, like this dude is my hero, man. Like if I, it's one of my personal goals. How far in life away is was to, it? Like 10 feet? As far as you are from me right now. Oh, it's like three feet. Three feet. Looking directly like you're looking into my eyes oh, right now. Great. Like here, I'm just locked into petting the shit out of this goat. And yeah. I look up and my musical hero is is looking at me, staring directly in my eyes. And I totally panicked and just turned around and left. There's like, there's wow. no way I was going to like say hi to him. I, I didn't even know if it was really happening. Could have been like, huh, goats, huh? But then I, there's no one, there's no mistaking him when you see him. He's got like the circle glasses, the sure. whole thing. It was, you know, obviously it was definitely him. Um, so that was my story about uh, getting so you, and petting goats with I guess Steve Albini. Almost met Steve Albini then, or we 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 Had, shared a space, shared a moment, and perhaps in a moment. Did he experience. lock eyes with you? Oh, we looked into each other's eyes. I think he was looking at me like, "What the fuck is wrong?" He with might have been dude? just as high as you were. I think Steve Albini's kind of a teetotaler. I don't think he. I don't think he does drugs okay. or drinks or anything Fair like enough. that. But I'm I'm not sure. But I'm I don't sure think, he's experimented in so. the past. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's a drug guy. I don't um, know. Well, so that was that was that that was at least like five or six weeks ago. That's been we haven't told that story. Uh, but now that we were talking about Parmount and Percolator, I felt like maybe it was time. Uh, so that's that's that little story. That's uh, cool, man. Got LB, any, uh, shut up. Got any Dave's docs for us? Yeah. Um. You know, I can't remember. Did I talk about Gimme Shelter at all? Already? No. You and I have talked about Gimme Shelter. Okay. But well, we did not I, I have talk to, about it on the show. I, I've watched a, a few more, and just in case. Um, I actually watched just in case. I watched the Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> one this morning, which I know you know ah, we could fuck go fuck a pumpkin. See, but everybody gets mad at the, everyone says fuck the pumpkins. I don't really understand why, man. Like, I just hate Billy Corgan. I know people hate him, but it's like because he's like bald or something. No, it's because like, his voice is fucking horrible. Well, he's got a weird voice, and I don't like his guitar tone. And I say tone in air quotes. He wrote some good songs in the '90s. I'm not yeah. going to say they didn't, and I definitely liked them back then. Well, but I have grown to actually hate. Okay, so I won't talk about shit. that one. But side note, I did watch one. It's called Full Circle. Q101 released it back in like 2000. It's got a lot of interviews. Is with that like, uh, Adore, uh, Ava, or Adore era? It was right after Adore. Yeah. And basically, you know, they right when they broke up, they played their first show ever at Metro. They played their last show ever at Metro. So it was kind of this monumental thing. But it was, it's a cool doc if you're out there. It's just on YouTube. It's free. It's in like six parts. Um, but I think the most important documentary and probably my favorite music documentary, maybe my music, maybe my favorite documentary of all time. It's called Gimme Shelter. Holy shit. It's about the Altamont. Your favorite rate. documentary of all yeah, time. That's, hands down. That's, that's bold. It's called, uh, called Gimme Shelter, and it's about the Rolling Stones playing the 1969 Altamont Festival. Mm -hmm. it, was at a, it was at a raceway, and it was a small festival. It's what, like Northern California? Yeah, it was a, yeah, I think that's up in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. up there. And um, they ran out this raceway. Basically, the whole thing was, was, was crap from the start. You know, they had, uh, didn't have enough parking for anybody. Woodstock had just happened. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, Woodstock was this like peace and love fest. It'll be great. And what this movie really is, it's more of a social commentary on the end of the hippie era, which is what's really interesting about it. You could tell there's, there's more selfishness. There's more violence. There's more, more drugs. There's, you Hell's know, Angels beating the shit out yeah, of Yeah, the Hell's Angels people. got hired on. The reason the Hell's Angels got hired on as their security guards was because the Grateful Dead actually hired them on as their security guards. 
when they toured and uh, you know that's that whole northern california scene or whatever mm-hmm. and um the, the grateful dead was supposed to play this thing and there's a scene where you see jerry garcia and phil lesh and they're standing there and like they're like it's a bad scene man we're not going in there because basically they get dropped in by like a helicopter and they had their helicopter like fly over it and they're like fuck that mm-hmm. because basically this thing was not made to hold like all these people even the stage was like the size of your apartment like it wasn't like a huge huge monstrous mm-hmm. like thing you know it was like the size of this living room so you're on this little tiny stage there's like one ambulance at the whole place oh man and over three hundred thousand people showed up so it's like you know um basically it's, it's just one of my favorite docs ever man like the stones go on they put on this amazing performance, um, but it's really tense, and the way it's shot is just beautiful. When did the documentary come out? Was it back in? Dude, it came out like in like in like or seventy or seventy one. Oh, okay. So, and you know, you, I've watched like old docs before, and they're just they're kind of sloppily done. I wouldn't say they're as good as like new docs. Yeah, of course. But this one, for some reason, the way they do it, it starts off with them, and I'm not going to spoil too much, but they're watching the footage of the show because a lot of people know a guy gets murdered at mm-hmm. the show, um, and kind of happens right in front of them. So, you know, they're watching the footage of kind of the buildup to this whole thing. You know, they're negotiating on the phone with how to, how are we going to plan this thing? They planned it short notice too. I think it was like a week out. Holy shit. Yeah. They announced it on the radio. Kids were driving in from New York to come because they were basically like kids that were like hangover from Woodstock were like traveling West to go to this thing. So it's fucking amazing. Uh, It's absolutely my favorite documentary. It's called Gimme Shelter and I highly recommend it. Dude, I I don't think I've ever seen that. Dude, I mean, I, I know the story of Altamont and all that yeah. crap, but like, oh, I don't think I've ever. I, and of course, that means I've seen clips on yeah. TV or whatever. But I don't think I've ever actually watched that. The grittiness of it. Um, I just rewatched it with Russ again the other day. Um, we were having some beers, and I was like, "Have you?" And he's like, "Oh, we watched it like a couple years ago." And I'm like, "Let's watch it again." Because <laughs> it's one of those things where you always find something new yeah. every time you watch it, and it's just the way the cameras are, and like everything is on the ground. I mean, they must have had like you know dozens of camera guys mm-hmm. and like dozens of people in this crew because you know they're getting shots. From from way outside and they didn't have drones back then right. so they're climbing up on things getting shots from the crowd wait they didn't have drones back then they oh, didn't shit, dude. well or did they mm, so i highly recommend it if you ever want to watch it i'll come over and we can watch it dude i definitely want to watch it yeah, oh my god my favorite hands down so love it wonderful addition to dave's docs. dave's docs i'll get that up on the website we'll post the info on the website yeah so uh speaking of that's a new thing that we're doing we're just getting Dave's Docs and the Riff Library editions onto the webpage. Well, what's going on with Riff Library this I'm going to come back to that. I want to talk about the website just a little bit more. Do you? Because I'm also going to start adding band buds. That's going to be oh, another cool. another page. And then I'm going to also start doing, I don't know exactly how to do this yet. It'll probably have to be while I edit it. I still fucking can't say that word right. Edited it? I feel like I'm tongue twisting all over the place today. I hate that shit. I'm also going to do like a separate blog entry for each episode where then i also talk about the gear like i like say we talk about five different pedals and amps and whatever i'll just like throw uh each one of those up and maybe like a reverb link or something like oh, that. oh cool so the folks can play along at home yeah we'll, you know? we'll upload the reverb uh demo videos so you guys exactly. don't have to watch us try to use the stuff uh although you know maybe they will have it to watch us do this stuff eventually little, uh, you know i just something coming your way something uh right but back to the riff library yeah, this is uh, this is more of a so the the first one that we talked about was um, what was the first the, one the metal bands about? the metal all bands. known metal bands which that was just straight up a list of metal bands yeah. cool great sort of to- music like a history reading book almost. right the second one was uh, Zen guitar which is more kind of like philosophical this one um, this one that I want to talk about is way more straight up technical music bible it is called mastering audio the art and science by Bob Katz. This book is in the 
recording, engineering, mastering, mixing world, it is viewed as the Bible of the technology and technique for doing all this stuff. A couple of years ago, he released a third edition, which is the one that I haven't read. And when I say read, I have made it through the whole thing, but I'm not going to pretend like I retained even half of it because, you know, it, it, it covers everything, every possible thing about recording in, in technical detail. So like even, you know, the proper way to master things at which rates for iTunes and things like that. But then also, I mean, you name it about the recording chain and the all anything that has to go into recording or mixing or mastering audio, it's in there. Uh, so it's more of like a manual almost. It kind like, of is. Could you and have it like on the side of your studio, like, you know, pull it, it out? It was like a you, reference. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. But also, so uh, that was always kind of the main criticism of it was that it was just kind of like a tech- technical manual. Uh, the way that the third edition has been revised and updated, of course, to add things about streaming and digital shit. Yeah, new um, it is written stuff. a little more sort of like funny and like conversationally, which I haven't seen anybody else make this connection yet. And this will be a future edition to the Riff Library. But it, that in that way reminds me of another book uh, called the Yamaha Sound Reinforcement Handbook, which is very similar in that it's kind of, it's kind of like the recording engineer Bible also, but a little bit different but, but it's, it's guidelines it's, basically it's guidelines and say like oh i want to learn more about like i don't know how the diaphragms and microphones work then you just like go to that section and yeah. read it but then it's also in the yamaha reinforcement handbook it's actually re- like really funny the way it's written cool like if you actually take the time to read it and don't just look at diagrams mm-hmm. or whatever the stuff that comes through is funny personally i feel like that, that was an influence on the mastering audio but highly recommended i mean you can i don't like who am i you know i'm nobody anybody who's anybody will tell you that that is the book that you should, if you are, if you want to take seriously the science and, and, and I guess the art, because it's called the art and science of recording Bobcats mastering audio is the book. Hell yeah, man. I, you know, I, I think that's important too. Cause like, you know, I've learned stuff from you. I've learned stuff from working with people, but even when I do home recordings, you know, let's say I'm going to mic a guitar amp or something like I want to know or even mixing, you know, I want to know the basics of like where things fall into a mix or what EQ levels are good for getting everything to kind of sparkle mm-hmm. through. You know, I'm sure there's guidelines out there that people don't know, like myself, mm-hmm. where it's like, like, you know, in, in the graphic design world, there's certain like things you need to know. You have to know the rules before you can break them, I yep. say, right. And I feel like that would be helpful for just even basic people getting started out. Yeah, I, you know. I'm not sure that I would recommend it to an absolute beginner. There are other books specifically designed for that purpose. This is more, you already kind of maybe have some of the baseline mm-hmm. and maybe you need some things refreshed here and there and that's in there. But this is like, you know, 201, 301. Yeah, you got to gra- know. Graduate level class. You got to know some basics first. To, and, and, and there are things in there that I will just never grasp. It's that advanced cool. also. No matter how hard and long I try, it's it's amazing. Beautiful. And um, I mean, Bob Katz is, is kind of well-known, very the most well-known mastering engineer perhaps other than maybe Bob Ludwig, but cool. um, throw that up on the, throw that up on the Love website. It. Riff Let's library, uh, band buds. Band buds. Did we, did we figure one out? Yeah. Do you want to do uh what yeah. we talked about? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Shout out to uh, Archie Powell and the exports. Uh, holla. Holla. To, uh, a, a, a hello and greetings. Uh, hello. Uh, salutations. Salutations. Um, yeah, I love these guys, man. Archie Powell and the exports. Yeah, Archie from Chicago from Illinois. Chicago, uh, close friends of ours. Obviously, the uh, the Ward brothers who we've had on play in that band as well. Oh, I think did we they might even have mentioned that. I think we, they did briefly. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned it. Um, 
I think they were going to shout it out for band buds, but then they were like, we can't shout out our, our own, own band. band yeah. So they, they mentioned the name, but um, yeah, they play in that band. But Archie is such a fantastic guy. Um, and RJ, who plays the drums, yep. is one of my favorite Our drummers Melby used to be in that band. There's Melby been a the lot bass. of different people in and out of that band, but Archie is obviously the, the namesake. They're one of those bands that, you know, we played with them back when I was in Blaine and, and, and just, you know, for a few years. And they to me, they just, they were always like, they're hard to look away from. Like, it's hard to just ignore that band. Like, when they're on stage, like, they're polarizing. They're definitely not one of those bands where it's, you know, the, like, blah 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 some guy's name and something else where it's like all right i know what this is going to be because it's going to be sort of sensitive like acoustic shit that's no. not them at all it's like pretty aggressive and punk influence and mm-hmm. like hard, you punk kind of garagey garagey yeah. little little yelly not like screamy but it's it can get nasty for sure and they're a keyboard friend too who plays in the band that guy's awesome keyboard uh, friend the guy who plays keyboards yeah i don't remember i forgot his first name i'm sorry i apologize is ryan maybe ryan Oh yeah, the one that does uh, the D- fins up DJs with Melby. Yeah, yes, yeah. He plays keyboards. He's awesome too. I actually went, last time I saw those guys was when um, I was playing in Brad's band and we played. I think it was at Quenchers with them, and okay. they opened up for us. And it was like, wait, Archie opened up for Ancient Friends. Well, because Brad, you know, oh yeah, shout out to Brad, <laughs> dude. He listened. He finally listened to an episode. He dude, he he sent me a screenshot. Of, of the of, title he fast forwarded to like halfway through he and took a snap yeah, he, he didn't fucking shit. he doesn't listen Brad, but, if you're listening you didn't do shit dude, this guy, he's, he's too cool for podcasts um, man but we played and i actually i was standing right next to where ryan was playing keyboards uh-huh. and uh, God, i hope that's his name because i'll feel I'm, really it's, I, yeah. it is it is but yeah. dude that guy's a monster man he was all over the stuff and he uses pedals with his keyboard he's it a was, monster man he's a monster mash so um archie powell man those guys i hope they keep playing i know they played a show yeah they just played and i had to miss it Cobra I was Lounge, town. I think. yeah yeah i was I wanted out to that go to that too um but oh, they're so fun um i hope they keep it up band buds Ba-ba-da-ba. all right well i've got a little news some stuff that we can get into if you want to just get right down into it we're not talking about gibson at all today right because uh, i don't think there's any news i just want to make sure i'm, I'm exhausted no, no gibbies i'm exhausted i mean we can days. we can no. talk about how much i love my les paul custom well, I love your last. Or how Paul about that too. Skylark camp behind you? We can talk about that too. I love threw that. that on the, I threw that on the Instagram recently. I saw that. People man. seem to great. people seem to be digging it. Um, but here's one. I don't know if you caught this. Um, and this is and this isn't necessarily news, but there was a recent article about it, and I think it's something that probably wasn't very, uh, very well publicized. Going back to your. This is this is almost like we like plan this, but I swear we didn't plan this. Yeah, I didn't even look at the notes. Um, so today. Santana, Carlos Santana, there he is played Altamont. And Woodstock, right? I know he, he played Woodstock. I don't he know also he, played Altamont. He did. And, and, he, and I know that he did because he played the same amp at both of those. And at Woodstock and Altamont, Carlos Santana played a solid state guitar amp. Really? Yeah. Which, 1969. Which one? Well, it's a little interesting. Funny you should ask. It's almost like I, was I it have a, it written down right I'm, here. Wait, let me guess. Was it a... I would love for you to guess. And I, and I will give you oh. all of the cash that I have. It's a brand <laughs> that you definitely know. And I... I promise that you're not going to come with it. I'll give you all the cash I have in my wallet right now. If you call Yamaha? No. Acoustic. Yeah, I didn't say you get multiple guesses. Was it acoustic? No, but you can uh, have one more guess just in case. Okay. Um, 1969. Was it an Ampeg? No. Okay. What do you got? Okay. So before Galleon Kruger was called Galleon Kruger, it was just Galleon. Love Galleon Kruger. He played a solid state Galleon. I would have never guessed that. I didn't know that I didn't know they, they made, made guitar, guitar amps. Dude. And so before Kruger jumped on board, this he made these, and I, some other people played them too. It was fucking 200 watts into a giant 4x12. That wow. was like 
the four by twelve was probably like up to my chest. It was a head and a, and a head cab. Head and a cab. Wow. Two hundred watts. I think they called it the spaceship amp. But I saw it. I think it was on the gear page. Um, I don't know why I've been spending more time in that forum recently. I've been coming back to it. Um, but somebody posted some stuff about that, and then like you know, of course, then it turned into a big argument about solid state. And solid state versus blur, tube, blur, bro. Blur, blur, blur. Um, but yeah, Santana at wow. Altamont. Uh, and Woodstock played a solid state no guitar. Oh shit, amp. man! Everybody knows that he was on fucking acid at yeah, Woodstock. But. Yeah, the whole band was like. There's a scene where the drummer on the Woodstock one, or the um, the guy playing uh, a conga, like literally has his oh, head. Oh, dude, I just know like, exactly what you're talking he's about. He's like doing this, like with his arm, like on his head. That was good and, podcast material, right there. He's doing when, this when you go off the mic and yeah. then doing this. I think people can imagine. <laughs> and then he. Um, Dude, the best part is right when his part kicks in, he just snaps out of it and starts <laughs> jumping. Dude, it's so... Um, that's so cool. Yeah. I didn't know... Okay, so my first real bass head was a Galleon Kruger. Love Galleon Kruger bass uh, amps. They were, they were so... You know who uh, Flea used them a lot in the was 80s Was it the RB800, I think? The RB... I had the RB400, I think it was. I, it got super hot, I remember. That's a tube amp, right? No, um, just all solid state, and it was small. Like, you know, I thought just, the 800 had tubes in it for some reason. I, I had the know. 4. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe the 8 does. They they never made like a full tube amp, though. Okay. I'm almost positive. They might have done a tube pre. Um, all I know is this thing... You know, it's like it looked like a VCR, basically, totally. like the size of it. This thing would get so freaking hot, dude. I had a sticker on it. That started to melt. <laughs> <laughs> That's there. I think there was probably something wrong with that amp yeah. right there. And by the way, I did not put the sticker on it. Somebody else did. I was just about to ask. I know. What but was the sticker? I have no problem putting stickers on amps. Um, <laughs> it was uh, some Spice local girls, some local band. No, they were called like not local natives, but because um, those guys aren't local, but <laughs> <laughs> they're local somewhere. They're local to like the East Coast or something. But no, something native, native fiction. I think they were called. Okay. They were like my buddy Matt Witt, who I uh, used to play with. Yeah. His buddy played bass. What's up, Matt? Wait, you're definitely not listening, but I'm just gonna say hi. Yeah, anyway. he should listen. He'd probably enjoy this. He should, because um, I, I enjoy know him. He likes hearing my voice, just in general, no matter we what. We can I talk say. if if it'll get him to listen. We'll talk about fishing. Oh, we could do a bass cast. Bass. <laughs> <laughs> we could have him on for a special edition, dude. If we did a bass cast, we would have to get my father on because oh, he could talk so about cool. that shit. As long as we want to hear about it. Do you know it. Matt Witt caught a, a world record muskie in Wisconsin? Like, world record? Yeah. I think every every fisherman that I know who has taken it beyond just like going once a year claims some sort of record. They put him my in, dad has they some put sort him in of, a mag- my dad has an Illinois large mouth record. Dude, you got a like, full spread in a magazine for it. Oh what in fucking weird fisher fisher bass, weirdo magazine. <laughs> So shout out Matt Witt. I hope you're listening, man. Me too. Kudos and talking, sh- talking shit about your fishing. Oh, dude, no, it actually was really sweet, man. It's this huge musky, uh, tiger musky. It's like a hybrid of the musky and the. You know, I was just joking about the fishing uh, no, podcast thing. I'll, I'll get into it, man. Um, I was reading this. Uh, Reverb put out an article. It was like, um, basically, if you can't afford these classic synthesizers, here are, here are some alternatives. Cool. There are eight uh, synthesizers in there. Uh, I own two of them. Which, uh, what are those? So that two? was that was kind of cool. Like I was, it turns out I'm good at buying like the cheap alternatives to the synths that people see. I'm not, I'm not surprised that you own two of like, well, two of the coolest. I was. Synths. Well, what, which you, ones though. are they? For uh, so care? this, uh, the first one is the Yamaha TX7. Everybody knows the Yamaha DX7, probably the most famous synthesizer of all time. Uh, came out in the late or early 80s. It's been on a million hits. Everybody's heard it a million times. This um, in 1985, they put out the TX7. It is the exact same. 
it, it it's a DX7 without the keyboards because it was right at the dawn of when MIDI was happening. So how do you do you run MIDI through it? So then? I just run MIDI, MIDI. Well, and I, so I run MIDI from this to control it, and then mm-hmm. I run the audio just you know into the interface like usual. Or actually, I run into here cool. like usual. Um, That's actually more probably more you know I would say like up to date nowadays than like lugging around the whole keyboard with you yeah and that's i mean that's kind of the that's kind of the like uh philosophy behind my whole key- keyboard rig is i want to be able to control everything from one keyboard because i can really only play one maybe two at the same time i don't need to have individual sets of key beds for each thing if as long as i have midi and audio to them i can control them so that was one of them you can get them i mean the funny thing about it is anytime any of those articles come out it's like oh here's the more affordable alter- alternative or whatever and then of course that just instantly drives all the prices up or they're all gone so like right i looked and right now there are no tx7s even available for sale on reverb and the other one that i have is the oberheim matrix 1000 that um, also, uh, there was actually now one. There was one for sale when I looked on Reverb, and and when I bought both of these, I'd done a ton of research before I got them, and so like you know made good buys. But there were there were plenty out there. It's not like they were super in demand or anything. And now after that article's out, uh, they're all gone. But so the second one is the Oberheim Matrix One Thousand. Um, that is basically so. Uh, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it might have been the end of the '70s. They came out with the Oberheim Matrix Six, which is you know a very well-respected loved synth um i mean usually oberheim synth you're you're not going to get into those like an old one for less than two thousand dollars this is the way to do it and what it basically was they took the the 1000 best presets they and people made for the matrix six and then put it into this box without a keyboard into it back then it was almost impossible to edit those sounds now that we have computers that we can plug everything into same with the tx7 we can just edit all those parameters on our computers now so it's like why i don't know why i wouldn't why would i spend three times as much to get the literally the exact same synthesizer as this one yeah with the keys on it it with just doesn't make controller. any sense yeah to me. that doesn't make sense at but all. i also happen to look and um because as you know i obsessively track all of my purchases and um gear acquisitions and the prices that i paid for both of those are substantially below even like what the ones that there aren't any really for sale now but the ones that are are or the one that is they're all way higher than what i paid so i'm feeling good about like that. a good gear hunk should. like a gear, good gear hunk should i feel i this i feel like is a similar situation the core wave station however um i think i'm gonna sell it because uh, it's a wavetable synth and Ableton uh, with Ableton Live 10 built in a fucking awesome wavetable synth. That's what I was going to say. I mean, how close are they with like, you know, some of the pre-programmed stuff? Right this now? When this synthesizer came out, oh, it was like electronic musician or whatever. When it came out in the mid 90s, it revolutionized shit. Like it won all the awards, all the NAM awards, mm-hmm. all that shit. But yeah, cool. now I have a computer that does all of that, that won same all stuff. the awards. So, yeah, you know. So I think the wave station is going to go up with these two, the the Yamaha and the Oberheim. Those are staying. This is like the Oberheim. I'm, there are, I mean, countless videos and articles about the DX7 that just list every hit of every song cool. that has all the sounds. I will mention that Oberheim. Um, my my favorite thing about it is that I it has it's the keyboard. They used a keyboard to play Jump by Van Halen oh, and Oberheim. So one of my favorites and you know, tones of all time. I like. I just want to be able to. Do you to know play it? That anytime. Can you play it? Come on. All right. We, might we know we're to, doing after this. Might here. have to live stream some of that. A dude. little live stream jumping. <laughs> might as well jump. <laughs> All right. So that's it. I just wanted to brag about how good I am at buying cheap buying stuff. Well, that's what good gear hunks do. I mean, I think. Have, I'm trying to think, man. Like, I don't think there's any gear that I own that I couldn't sell for more money than I paid for it. Do you? 
Aside from like maybe well, yeah, a computer of course. So, or like something that's like a controller, obviously like those, you know. Here, okay, so let me let me caveat that. Actually, um, very, very few. But that is because A, I used to work for a company and B, still ha- have friends that work at a company where I can get new gear at cost. That's true. That's a little different. So anything like that, I can almost always sell for a profit. But like, you know, let's say old things stuff. like a MIDI, like a MIDI keyboard or whatever. That's you're, that's not going to hold the value. I mean, that's going to go down. That's going to no. Down. I mean, like like those synths, for instance, like oh. stuff that's old. That have you I really taken new. a bath on anything? Um, I guess that's where I'm going with it. Yeah, I feel I like you. I haven't. don't think so. I mean, I'm I'm usually pretty at least not the things that I ha- still have right now. Uh, no, because yeah, anything that I have that's like like I'm thinking about, for instance, like that the Yamaha the CP70, yeah. like. That's gonna. That's probably kind of hard to sell because it's giant. There's also they're not making them anymore. But they haven't made them in forty years. So inevitably they're just gonna. They're keep. extremely desirable, but to the right people who can actually get. Oh, the it'll thing. it'll so might like, take six months to sell it right. if you ever try. But yeah, so the amount that I paid for it versus if I ever were to sell it, which I don't want to, right. I would more than make a lot of money back. Or like yeah. the the Gretsch, for instance, I didn't pay a lot of money for that. Mm-hmm. I could probably get a lot more for it, yeah. but also I mean, that might take a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, it's a so. unique. I think we we both have gear where it's like you know we kind of we buy weird things that like only certain people would want. Yeah, like that Paisley Strat I have. Like not everyone wants a pink guitar. You know? No, and that's funny too because I feel like the, I I used to not like pink guitars, for instance. Like Me actively, too. I wouldn't have even like wanted that. But then as something? I've gotten older, yeah. I'm like, that's damn cool. It's, oh well, my god, yeah. I want that. Um, what else you got for us cool. today, man? A couple other news things. Um, I heard about this device, and I'm not sure. Now I'm trying to remember if I think the company's called Sim One. It's either the company's either called Sim One or the product is called Sim One. So you know how we obviously we have these like we're sitting next to right now a Kemper or like a, a Fractal Axe Effects these modelers for guitar amps and effects like that. That's kind of like been around for a while uh and and the interesting thing about the kemper and and i guess the the axe effects too to a certain extent is you can take your amp and quote unquote quote profile it and then you have your analog tube amp or whatever in this box that you can just like bring anywhere and then you've got all your amps with you Mm -hmm. the sim one essentially does the same thing but for guitars and basses so you can play a 59 les paul into it and then it profiles it and then any guitar you play now through this pedal is going to sound like a 59 less sound like that amp no 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 so oh, like that guitar that guitar so right so the sim oh, one that we're now talking about got you instead does, it's so does guitar what the models, does for amps it does guitar it, it guitar profiling profile not modeling because that would be there might I, I don't think there's any modeling but it's all profiling i guess i don't know the difference but yeah that modeling is when you you start from scratch and you just like you're like i want to make a thing that sounds like a mesa and then you figure out how to program a thing mm-hmm. that sounds like a mesa a profile is you've got the mesa and then you just like send those sounds into the computer and then oh. the, the computer sort of decodes that that's what a kemper does oh I see. a kemper you play you play a re- your amp into it or any anybody's amp into it and it profiles that sound and captures it of uh, something like an axe effects or a helix or whatever they've modeled those sounds based on computer code from scratch from scratch gotcha got that makes sense um and so the sim one does mo- does profile oh yeah. so 
you could be like, oh, I want to have like a P bass on this one, and it has like, and, a P and bass you could play your fucking play that da- your bass, and you my, play the dad top, the dad top into it, <laughs> jazzy dad top, and uh, and then it'll sound like the P bass. And I watched some videos. It, I don't, I can't remember where the company's from. They might be Italian, some are European, and so not not everything was in English. But I watched some videos, and that shit is like, it's pretty good, huh? Pretty good, dude. Um. So what do they have? Like, can you give me an example of like a few, like they have a Strat sound, a Les Paul Well, okay. Sound. So I don't know that it actually ships with, I don't know if it has like the you, sounds into it, but it's, it's more about like you can profile. So, okay. So like, say you're, you want to play, you love the sound of your P bass so sure. much, but you don't want to bring that shit to your weekend gig. Right. You profile it and then you just bring your fucking Squire. Right. And then you've got your, your 62 sound coming through Whoa. while you're playing. How your much squire. do you have to play through it? How does it profile? Like, have you ever profiled an amp? I've, a, so uh, I've done it on the Kemper. Before? I've never, I've never even seen one of these in the guitar thing in person right. before. This, this is, is new a brand technology. new technology. Right. Uh, but I, I would imagine they, what, they you probably have to, like, play a scale or something. Or so you... the Kemper actually sends weird, like alien kind of sounds. It does like the full sweeps nice. and all that kind of no crazy shit. crap. So like it gets the full range and then, cool. um, so I don't know. I don't know exactly. I watched one video about the process of modeling the guitar or profiling the guitar, but, um, it was, again, it wasn't in English, so I didn't really, pay close attention but it was like so cool i'm like how badass would it be if you just had like my like little travel first act guitar with a kemper and then the sim one thing and then you've got like a fucking a 59 sunburst into a dumble oh my god right but the possibilities are endless whatever you want there's also you can then of course just like with the kemper you can I don't know if they have like a message board or however they have, but like other people can profile their instruments and then you can download those profiles. And I wonder, does it kind of like, this is might be a dumb question, but does it change? Like, let's say, let's say I'm doing my P base and then I roll the tone all the way down. Does it pick up on that? Or is it just going to have the same signal going all the way through? Like, like if you switch pickups, if, let's say you have a gyrock mm-hmm. guitar and you, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I wanted to throw that in there. And I have a quick little, no, that's a fair question. I feel like these are things that like, perhaps the salesman of sim one um could could unleash for us i just really want to get my hands on one and try it out because i mean i like i've learned i, I was extremely skeptical about this whole idea and then i have lived how amazing kemper is at it so now like why why couldn't it why couldn't a guitar do it i mean really what we're talking about is advanced eq that's mm-hmm. really what it's doing it's i can't like physically change anything it's just kind of changing maybe the impedance but definitely the equalization of the signal that's coming in like i know um i was actually talking about this with dan billy gibbons from the from zz tom as everybody knows boy uh he he's most known for his 59 les paul uh pearly gates he has live he never he never brings that thing out anymore live he has uh eqs built into his rig specifically to make whatever get like guitar he's playing sound more like pearly gates you know so th- this it, like the concept itself isn't brand new but the implementation is and and the fact that it's in a pedal and like, it's in a pedal and now actually now i didn't even think about this should have mentioned it uh kemper just released a new product so they've got the kemper rack unit they've got the like lunchbox looking one on top and then they've got this foot controller that i have now they've also added it's called the profiler stage you base they basically combined this and that and put it into one foot unit Dude. so now you could have the the guitar profiler next to the amp profiler going direct into the board what do you even need yeah what do you even what are we even doing here i don't know let's just 
quit our podcast because we don't need to do it anymore i like it man i mean look more gear. i i agree with you obviously look we're we're purist if if you go to a studio and they have like an old basement and you know 59 mm-hmm. les paul that's what you're gonna play totally through. um but the idea of playing live i think is where it really really gets a chance to you know really mm-hmm. uh, use its capabilities dude sort of sim- this now i'm just gonna take it to the next level. let's go man sort of similarly i heard about this other uh d- device uh, made by a company called AMT. So, do you know what do you know what IRs, impulse responses, are? Mm-mm. Educate so, me in the in the audience. In the audience. So, basically, an impulse response is uh, a digital snapshot of the way a particular room or space sounds. So, you there are many plugins and products out there that will. Um, basically let you like uh, for instance with universal audio they've got one that with a plug-in that you can make your studio room your tracking room sound like abbey road sure or ocean way so or, or, a, or a cavernous hall or a damp right and closet. so it's not just a reverb but right. it, it's it's more of a model of the space wow now that this is something that's been very popular with guitarists for the past several years at least 10 years maybe uh for products like the two notes torpedo it used to be the palmer the rack things that everybody used but basically instead of uh, miking up a cab live and then running that to the house, people will often just use a direct sound live coming out of the amp. And that's all built on impulse responses. But they've, they, instead of like measuring a room, they kind of, they measure away like a speaker cabinet sounds. Okay. So that's IRs. We kind of have a, a, a basic understanding. Now there's AMT makes a product. And again, this is like a common thing. Lots of people, there are free plugins that do this, whatever. AMT made this thing that you can now build easily build into pedals that lets you load 16 irs in so now i could build uh say like a guitar preamp pedal that then also has this little device in there with 16 different irs so now i have the preamp sound maybe it's got you know it's sort of like power tube distortion sound and then the cabinet sound built into one pedal (laughs) that like any i could build Mm -hmm. now because it was it's a very it's a very complicated technology. You need to know how to code and shit. They've made it simple enough for like a solder jockey like myself to Whoa. easily throw it into a pedal, you plug it in via USB. You can throw one, any any sixteen IRs you want. Anything you know, anything off the internet, your own, whatever whatever it is you want to do. Because capturing your own IRs, that's something we could do. Like that's not that hard mm-hmm. to do. We wanted to like uh you know capture the practice space because that's such a good sounding room. It is. A, it is a good sounding room. <laughs> oh, by the way, I did bring some. That. I did bring some of the foam over there. Um, oh, I haven't did? put it up yet. But anyways, that's that, man. I just wanted to, to throw that out there. And I'm, I think Dude, I, actually, I love this I technology. Like, how, what are we talking price range? Do you know? Do they even have? I don't it? even think there was pricing on that. I, I mean, want to say the Sim One thing was probably I would guess like eight hundred bucks. Yeah. would be my guess. But look, I mean, to have basically virtually every guitar. Yeah. Now you know where it does take away is the feel, obviously, because you're still you can't playing, capture the feel. Cannot capture that'll be well that'll be a little down the road. I think. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, that's really the only complaint I could give about something like Kemper is that you're just it's impossible to feel that because the audio go the signal goes both ways. Like we're talking about alternating current here, so like it's gonna it's gonna push and it's gonna pull. The same thing with the tube that. There are probably ways to sort of model that, I guess, but it's never going to feel exactly the same. And especially when you've got that amp cranked and you get that thump and it pushes back at you, that the Kemper just can't do that. Just having that air being pushed. It's going to play different. It, yeah. it always is. But I, to me, I don't know. It's, I mean, I love playing amps. I do most of the time, but like 
that's kind of, I still think the Kemper kind of sounds better sometimes. And, and, but for recording too, I mean, oh, like, man, hell yeah. I mean, dude, like you've got, you know, for most people who record in an apartment or have their own setups, like where you just can't crank. I mean, yeah, if we wanted to crank the VT 40, we could, 